This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Rolls a little bit, plants, waits, fires for the goal line. Touchdown! Antonio Brown! A beautiful catch! And I tell you what, when Ben released it, you said, Antonio looks well guarded. Well, guess what? He wasn't guarded well enough. Well, that hasn't happened nearly as often, certainly not nearly enough. We're going to get into that, give you some numbers on that. As far as Le'Veon Bell um, is concerned, Robert says we need him, like it or not. Uh, Gary says, not sure I like the phrasing of option A, welcome him back, but you have to bring him back into the fold. Uh, Nothing says you have to be buddy-buddy with him, be professional to trade him or cut him would be, as my mother says, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Well, it's part of the business, too. Bob Labriola, editor of Steelers.com, longtime Steeler observer, joins us now on Savern on Sports. Um, Bob, what's your take on this source indicating that uh, Le'Veon Bell plans to come back during uh, the bye week? Are you buying into it? Um, you know, I, I'm pretty much wait and see, Stan, uh, with everything about Le'Veon Bell now because – you know, I thought I bought into when his agent indicated that it was going to be exactly like last year and he was going to show up and sign his tender on Labor Day uh, and be ready for the first game of the season. That didn't happen. And then, you know, there's just seemed to me to be a, a lot of, you know, information out there. And I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'm kind of a wait and see uh, on it. I never thought, I never thought that he would miss regular season games at 853,000 and change per week. Um, but that has happened not once, but several times. So, um, I, I don't really trust my instincts on this anymore. And so, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Um, no doubt he's made these promises. And I wonder if you feel as though I do based on the reaction of the organization, uh, on that Monday, the first day it was Labor Day, um, and then the subsequent reaction of some of his teammates, who you know usually don't comment. Um, it seems to me that Bell made promises to them uh, because I mean, Marquis Pounce said, "Oh, he'll be here," and then when he didn't, he ripped into him on Wednesday. I mean, uh, do you get the sense that Bell told some teammates that he would be there? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that I would use the word promised, but I think that. Uh, based on, as you mentioned, the reaction from the locker room, those guys believed he was coming uh, that day, and he would be here for the start of the regular season. Uh, when that didn't happen, I think they felt betrayed. So, um, you know, whether it was a promise or not, uh, in in terms of the strict definition of the word, I do believe that um, Marquise Pouncey, uh, maybe specifically, I don't know if it was a direct conversation between the two of them or whatever, but um, I got the sense that he was he felt betrayed uh, by the fact that Le'Veon didn't show up when uh, uh, they were getting ready for the Browns game. Yeah, no doubt. Promise is probably a bad word. Indicated that he would be there is probably you know better. Um, I must admit, Bob, I'm a little surprised that this news surfaced last night. Uh, thanks to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, who says he talked to Bell. Uh, I thought he was going to, you know, play it to the hilt and do the maximum. Um, I also think that if indeed this is true, it would matter to me 
if he shows up the week before the Cleveland game or right after the the Cincinnati game when the bye week starts to kind of get acclimated. That might be an indicator of how much he wants to, quote, help this team. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I wonder, I, and really, um, th- this is all speculation uh, on my part. I wonder if the, if the team's record has anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of things uh, that are unknown. Uh, and, and let's start with this. What kind of shape's he in? Um, you know, um, we can think or, you know, he can say uh, anything that he wants. Um, but you know that's that's not the reality of it, uh, and so you know again I don't um, you know it's it, it's really a, a lot of blind speculation I think, and then you know how did how do the Steelers react uh, to this? Do they request uh, the roster exemption? If it's granted, do they decide to pay him? I mean a lot of these things uh, I think are. Um, out there in terms of, uh, you know, hanging in the balance one way or the other. Who knows? Maybe the, the management, team management has definitively decided one way or another on some of these things. Um, you know, does, does Le'Veon, um, you know, is he going to take James Harrison's advice? I don't know. Um, but a lot of these things uh, that are out there, you know, sources uh, and that kind of thing, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I don't trust the media guys who are reporting this stuff. It just seems to me that there have been, you know, so many uh, false starts to this whole situation that uh, I'm just going to kind of wait to see uh, when he shows up, if he does. It's Lucy pulling the football from Charlie Brown. Right. You know, that's a, right. I, I said that earlier in the show. That's exactly what this is about. Let's just assume, uh, and again, I think if he would have waited and missed 10 games, which would have been within the parameters of what he has to do, I don't think the Steelers would have any use for him. But now we're talking about potentially getting him back for 10 games. Um, I know the organization, pardon my French, is pissed at him. There's just no question. Kevin Culver doesn't issue statements like he did uh, that, that Monday, that Labor Day. Uh, they're not happy with him. Um, so do you say, okay, whether you use the roster exemption or not, you say, you know, at least we'll get him back for eight games. Um, maybe he's in good shape. You don't have to rely on him because you got James Conner. That's one option. B would be, okay, sign here. We're going to trade you now. Or C, uh, thanks but no thanks, get out. Well, I don't think you cut him because or rescind the tag. Um, because um, then, uh, you know, I also, the, the, I'm, I don't want to uh, sound like I'm advocating that the Steelers treat this in a vindictive matter, but I also, manner, but I also believe, you know, that the Steelers have to look out for their interests in this, just as Le'Veon is doing, you know, for himself. The, the collective bargaining agreement uh, is, is something that's negotiated, um, it is ratified and then signed by, you know, the players' uh, union and management. So to me, uh, you know, all this whining about the franchise tag is unfair. Well, you know, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but that's, to me, that's not an issue at this point. Right. That's, you know, th- you, know that, you talk that, to your union and, and have them change that when the CBA comes up in a couple of years. Right. That's, 
the law of the NFL land right there. So, okay. Uh, and, and so I, I am in favor, or I will understand both sides, each side, um, taking advantage of the law of their land. Okay, so if I'm the Steelers, and again, this is just me talking, I do not rescind the tag because um, I would rather have some control of the situation. Uh, in other words, I don't want him going to New England. So that's right. number one. Uh, two, if you can trade him, you know, the trade thing, I personally don't see another team out there being foolish enough uh, to give the Steelers enough in return to make that a worthwhile arrangement, but I never thought that any team would give you more than you spent to draft Martavis Bryant in return for in return for a trade for him either. So who knows? Uh, but I would certainly keep that option open uh, if I'm the Steelers as well. Another thing that I would think about doing is I would uh, I, I think I would uh, have a uh, private conversation. And I don't know if, if this is uh, Art Rooney II or Mike Tomlin or whoever has a conversation with a couple of, you know, what I call the uh, alphas in the locker room. And I would start with Marquise Pouncey and Cam Hayward. And I would say to them, you know, what do you think of this? You know, what, not that you're going to do what they tell you, but I am interested in what they think. Absolutely. Add, adding Le'Veon to the locker room. What do you think of this, guys? Uh, is, is it going to be a bad thing? Does everybody on there hate him? Um, it, it, are you, if we decide to do this, uh, can you help the situation uh, by you know, keeping people in line? Um, whatever. I don't know what, what the answers would be. And, again, I'm, I'm not saying that I would uh, do whatever they say, but I'm interested in what they think. Um, and then... Uh, you know, I think you see what kind of shape he's in, and you use the two weeks of the uh, the roster exemption uh, to gauge that even more. And then, um, since you don't want to cut him, you know, you're kind of stuck. So uh, maybe you make him inactive for every game, which is certainly not against the rules. It's going to cost you eight fifty four k every week to do that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think at this point that's kind of the cost of doing business. Um, you know, what I would hope is that, uh, you know, Le'Veon, when he shows up, if he does it, it, in the time frame that we're, we're hap- we happen to be talking about right now, uh, that he's being truthful, truthful or at least genuine in him saying, you know, I want to help my team win. Um, and, you know, I don't know that you do anything but take him at his word, maybe that you, you make that call based on a conversation with him, you know, after he signs the tender. And, again, you know, maybe that's Art Rooney II, maybe that's Mike Tomlin, maybe it's both of them individually. Maybe it's both of them together. Um, I don't know. And you, you try and, um, you know, find out whether this is BS, whether he's just giving you a line, whether he really means it, uh, what. And... Um, you know, and this again is me. There's not going to be any, um, hey, you know, Le'Veon saying, you know, I only want 18 carries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there won't be any of that either. Uh, we're going to do. You want to play? You're in or not? And if you're in, um, you know, we're going to do what we think is best to help this team win. Now, obviously, uh, I think you you have more options at the position now with James Conner 
and or Stephen Ridley, uh, which you didn't have last year. And so the whole, you know, overworking Le'Veon, I, I, I understand that he had a lot of touches, but uh, in my opinion, um, NFL coaches, their job is based on options. You know, do I have a better option than giving the ball to this guy the 31st, 32nd, and 33rd time, or am I better off giving it to somebody else the first, second, and third time in a game? And um, last year I thought Connor's main problem was he would have gotten Ben killed in yeah. pass protection. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that now. And so, um, you know, there could be a natural reduction, you know, of Le'Veon's touches, but I'm not letting a, a, a player dictate to me how many times he carries the ball. No. I mean, because if you're if you're sincere about wanting to win, uh, I would think you if you're Le'Veon Bell or you're a first team All Pro running back, which is what he is, you want the ball. You're like a, you're like Antonio Brown. Throw it to me every play. So uh, a lot of these things um, would be things that I would. Um, you know, want to get straightened out, and uh, but again, is he is he really going to show up this time? Well, that that statement about well, I'll, my main concern uh, is to make sure I'm healthy for free agency in 2019 is going to limit his trade value too, because teams are going to say, well, I'm going to go out and and get this guy, and then he's going to uh, if he doesn't balk at X amount of carries, uh, he's likely to say, you know, my hamstring is bothering me. I don't think I can go this week. I mean, that's you know, that's that goes against the nature of these guys, but if it's a if it's a strategy, then that's another thing you have to worry about. I, I do want to ask you this though, Bob. Uh, the start is awful, uh, and and I'm wondering two parts: how much of the absence of Bell has hurt the offense from a football perspective, and maybe secondarily, do you think that this whole business with him? has disrupted the team's focus, its concentration, um, has it affected them negatively, which might be a contributing factor to being 1-2-1? and one. Well, the, the, the start is awful. Um, and, uh, let, you know, let, let me deal with, you know, Bell's, Le'Veon Bell's on-field contributions. I don't know that, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of psychological impact on those guys uh, because he didn't show up. I, I don't really think that, you know, professional athletes care. I mean, they want to win, uh, and they want, you know, everybody on board who can help them do that. But outside of the whole, you know, togetherness thing, and I, I just, I don't buy it. Um, they don't, you know, I think you got the reaction you got from Marquise Pouncey and some of the other guys because they felt betrayed. That's different, but I, I think also think though that, you know, if you're honked off at Le'Veon for betraying you, um, that doesn't impact, you know, three days from now how you play in the opener against the Browns. Now, um, you know, Le'Veon is, you know, um, persona non grata, uh, you know, with with Steelers fans. But let me just let me I, I did a little research here. Um, you know the Steelers went into last Sunday's game against the Ravens with a three-game winning streak against them. In those three games, Bell rushed for 314 yards total. He had a 4.6-yard uh, average in that rushing. He caught passes for 134 more yards and scored seven total touchdowns. Now, 
you could say what you want about him, how he's handled this, and you know he's he's not a stealer. He he's just in it for the money. Blah 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 blah. But you can't tell me that John Harbaugh wasn't tickled to death that number twenty six wasn't on the field Sunday night because this guy uh, is a is a first team All Pro, and so you cannot take his contributions, his production off that. Uh, field and not feel some impact. And um, I don't know, here's another thing, Stan. I mean, I've been hearing a lot about how uh, the Steelers have the most talented offense in the league or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I saw Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I sometimes think that, uh, you know, a narrative uh, is offered and it gains some traction and it's repeated often enough that people think it's true. Um, but I mean, uh, I watched Cincinnati last week. Um, I don't know. It's really kind of hard for me to believe if you're looking at just receivers. I think I can make a decent case that the Bengals have uh, a deeper core receivers than the Steelers have. Maybe Atlanta too. There you go. So uh, again, all of this talent, you keep hearing about all of this talent the Steelers have on offense. Um, you know, maybe that's overrated. And they're not as good as everyone thinks, but that doesn't change the fact that the start has been terrible um, and that they could have won each of the games that they have played. Um, but I just don't think that it's, uh, it, it's as much of, it should have been as much of a given uh, as a lot of fans might want to think. Yeah, that certainly was the uh, the M.O. going into the season. Um, fast times at Ridgemont High uh, <laughs> uh, around here. Bob, uh, thanks very much. Always enjoy talking with you. We'll do it again very soon. Thanks again. Okay, Stan, take care. All right, you too. That is Bob Labriola. Um, he's a fellow Hall of Honor selection committee member with me. Um, he's covered the Steelers for years now. Uh, writes and takes care of the Steelers.com uh, webpage. So the bend to AB, I mean, not much is clicking offensively or defensively. The running game, not clicking. But in particular, bend to AB is not clicking. The numbers bear that out. If you got eyes and watch the game, you know that's true. The question is why? Significant drop-off. We'll talk about that next. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Our record is one and two and one. We got games in front of us and plenty of games to play. So uh, that means, you know, if we got to win the rest of the division games, so be it. Uh, you know, we control our own destiny either way. Um, we play these guys again. We see Cincinnati twice. We got another shot at Cleveland. I'm not going to overlook any game, but it starts next week and it starts tomorrow. All they have to do is win. Well, that's easy enough. Why didn't I think of that? Uh, we'll see. Mike Tomlin said today at the press conference, in case you missed it, that he has taken an evaluation after one quarter of the season. He does it every year. There's a lot to evaluate. The question is, what did he come up with and what is going to change? Can it change? 
He talked about the approach, about their game day routine because they get up to slow starts. Really? The bus from the hotel is going to leave five minutes earlier? That's the issue? Maybe the players either A, aren't playing up to capabilities, maybe they're not just not good enough, or maybe the coaching staff isn't doing a good enough job of preparing them. Second element, one of the major things, what's wrong with the Ben to AB connection? It is clicking at a much lower rate than it ever has before. You have an explanation for that. And not to bury the lead, Le'Veon Bell, sources indicate that he's planning on showing up during the bye week. Now, they have Atlanta this week, then at Cincinnati, and then the bye week. Now, the first question is, do you believe him? Think about Lucy with the football and Charlie Brown. I won't pull up the ball this time, Charlie Brown. If you do believe him, if he shows up, what would you do with him? Would you welcome him? Would you trade him once he signed the tender? Or would you just flat out release him? Those are the options. I was surprised that he wants to come back this early, relatively speaking. Obviously, six games will have gone by if he shows up. And I'm just wondering if they were, let's say, 3-1, and one, if they would welcome him back. We hear that they're actively trying to trade him. I wonder, I wonder how he would be welcomed back in the locker room. I'm not sure. I was convinced that if he held out the first 10 weeks, the maximum he could do, that there's no way the Steelers would let him back in at that point. But this is earlier. This is four games earlier than I anticipated. Will that make a difference? Does their record make a difference? Again, we're operating on the presumption that he will show up. There's something, and this may not seem like much. This may not seem like much of a difference, but I do think it's more than a nuance. And that is, when he talks about showing up during the bye week, that's a two-week period. I want to know if he'll report the week before the next game, which would be here against Cleveland? Or would he report right after the Cincinnati game almost two full weeks before they play their next game? Now, what does that mean? Why is that a factor? Well, to me it is. Because if he shows up, let's say, the day after the Cincinnati game, now they won't practice. Chances are they'll probably get 
you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something like that, and then they'll come back to work and prep for the Cleveland game. But for him, it would give him a chance to get in, let's say, three practices and film sessions, and then the full week following. Maybe that doesn't seem like much, but to me, why not maximize every minute that you can? If, on the other hand, however, he just shows up on Monday, the day, that would be the 22nd, the day after the bye Sunday, he didn't have much time to get ready. Then they might use the, Look, they might use the roster exemption on him anyway. But the way things are going, just to get him some playing time, even though they would have to pay him, might be worth it. I think we can all agree that he makes them a better team. I really believe in what one of our fellow listeners said Sunday night in the postgame, that, yes, he affects him in the run game, that's part of it, but also in the pass game because of how dangerous he is and he's not a traditional running back. I mean, he can do things that wide receivers can do and lines up as such, which forces defense have to pay attention to him. And again, maybe it's only the difference of three tra- practices or so. Maybe it's just grasping at a straw. But the one thing that I would have to mention, it seems to me that if he shows up the first day that he possibly can, and by the way, why is the bye week magic? He do, you know, he could show up tomorrow, too. So let's not say, oh, good, the hero's back. But it seems to me that if he were to show up the day after the Cincinnati game, be back for two full weeks, that would show me anyway that he would like to come in and help this team win. That was part of the story that was circulated yesterday, that he wants to come back and help the team win. I don't know how much, but to me that would be an indicator. I, I don't know how you feel about that. That would be an indicator to me. Ronald says he simply can't trust Bell. When there is no trust in a relationship, it's time for it to end. There's that balance between wanting to get your team out of a hole, and he makes them better. Even Rusty, if that's an issue, makes him better. They could work him out because now they had trust in James Conner. So Bell wouldn't have to carry 30 times in his first game back. There's benefit to him showing up. But I do think the one-week nuance is more than a nuance. I think it indicates that he's here to help. Jared says, sadly, we need him. 
Jonathan, welcome him back. We have welcomed other players back after holdouts, and even some players after their off-field troubles like Bryant, Bell, Ben. We need all the help that we can at this point. Maybe he'll earn the trust of his fa- of the fans and his teammates with his play, possibly releasing a statement confirming his loyalty to the team. I'm sure he'll say the right things when he comes back, but sometimes actions speak louder than words. Jeffrey says on Facebook, this is, trade him. Damien says, trade him. I really thought, I don't know how this is nuanced again, that if he took the full 10 weeks, I wouldn't let him back. But there's another factor to consider here. The Steelers could tag him again after this year. And they would do so at an increase, I think it's 125 or 140% over the salary he made this year, which was supposed to be $14.5 million. But now... If he reports back after six games are played, now you chop off $5 million off of that, right? $850,000 a week. He misses six weeks. $5.1 million. So now all of a sudden, what he would get next year would actually be less than he was scheduled to make this year at 14.5 because the increase in salary would be based on the salary that he actually earned, which, if he does show up after Game 6, would be reduced by $5.1 million. So, therefore, the increase in salary would not be as great. But then the question remains... Do you want to put up with it again? Well, he says, I'm not doing that again. Jeff tweets, could he say he's coming in to avoid issues with getting credit for the year if the Steelers deactivate him? Just to answer the technical part of that, if and when he comes back, he then has to sign the tender. He can't come back unless he does that. Because if he doesn't sign that, technically, he could be sitting right in the middle of the locker room. He's not back, back, if you get it. They could then use a two-week roster exemption, which means that he would not get credit for those games and the Steelers would not have to pay him. They could use those two weeks and say, we got to get him in shape. That's why he had to take those two weeks into account. Because if they choose not to activate him and put him with the roster exemption, they don't have to pay him. But once he signs that tender, he belongs to them. And if you're asking about activating, if you've been on game day, after the two-week roster exemption is up, then you either have to cut him, trade him, or activate him. Now, that doesn't mean you have to play him. Remember, you only have 45 guys active, 53 guys on the roster. 
but only 45 are dressed. You don't have to dress them, although I don't know that you're going to pay them $853,000 to stand in a sweatsuit on the sideline, cheering his teammates on if he would even show up. Robert says, I agree with you, but if Bell wanted to help the team win, he would have been there from the start of training camp, period. Well, he wasn't going to do that. He didn't do that last year. He's within his rights. That's how the franchise tag rule works. Paul says, get rid of them and A.B. Perhaps they can go be unhappy with Earl Thomas, poor kids. Sean P. tweets, trade him. He needs to come back this early. Can we use exemption on him to get the full 10? Well, again, he's reporting in time to get his time in. John disagrees, so you got to play him now. He puts the offense in another level. They need the production. He, They're better with him. I mean, I, I that should not even be part of the discussion. They're better with him from a football standpoint. I thought initially during training camp that when he came back, the players would welcome him with open arms. They did last year, well, not this year. But I think that dynamic changed when he did not show up when, A, he said he would, but also it's pretty evident. He not only told members of the Steeler organization, you've heard me say this before, he not only told the Steelers organization he would be there the first day of practice for the opening game of the year, as he did last year, but he also told some of his teammates. Remember what Marquise Pouncey said? Labor Day weekend. He said, oh, he'll be here. Not worried. <clears throat> then Wednesday, the first full day of practice for the first game of the year, Pouncey ripped into him. So did Foster. So did DeCastro. Why? What changed in 72 hours? It's pretty obvious to me that Bell told them that he would be there. And then he didn't. As for Earl Thomas's complaints, <clears throat> he's in a totally different situation. He was under contract. He just wanted a new one. He wanted a better one. Bell was not under contract. What, what he's doing, you don't like it. I don't like the way he's conducted himself. I'm assuming neither do you. But he was well within his rights based on the collective bargaining agreement as it covers the franchise tag to do exactly what he's doing. Now, he didn't have to taunt on Twitter posting those pictures. And worse yet, is there any doubt in your mind that he told several teammates, I'll be there Monday before the Cleveland game? Well, maybe now he will be there Monday before the Cleveland game. But the second Cleveland game, it makes a difference. All right, we want to talk about Le'Veon Bell, his situation. Trade him, use him, cut him. What's wrong with the Steelers' offense? What's wrong with the Steelers? Forget the offense. In general, this quarter reevaluation, if you will. And why isn't Ben to A.B. clicking? I'll give you the numbers. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. 
You know, as we sit here a quarter of the way into the season, man, we don't like the state we're in. Uh, being a one, two, and one football team, we got to get out of the gate quicker in these games than we have at this point. Um, acknowledging that, uh, man, we can't spot people points in the National Football League. I like to fight in our guys, and we've gotten back in some of those games, but uh, we got to do a better job of starting games than we have on both sides of the ball. Yeah, but why do they get off those bad starts? I, you know, Sunday night, highest profile game of the week against your arch rival. You escape with a win in Tampa, but all right, got some footing, and then you show up like that? Harry tweets and says, how crazy is it? And I didn't look at it from this perspective, but Harry says, how crazy is it that the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns all improved over the offseason, and then we have the Steelers. After 13-3, and was there nowhere to go but down? Although this far down? Bend A.B., the quarterback rating when he throws to Le'Veon Bell this year is 65.5. Now, that's just a number. But now let me put that into perspective. In 2013, it was 107.9. In 2014, it was 115.3. In 2015, 99.3. In 2016, 111.3. And in 2017, it was 105.1. This year, it's 65.1. That's a 40-point drop over last year. And a 50-point drop over the highest number since the two have played together. Now, there's no question that Bell gets a lot, excuse me, Bell, I got Bell on the mind. Brown gets a lot of attention. But since when is that a revelation? Since, that, since when is that news? And I got news for you. Watching the game on Sunday night, yeah, they doubled them. But I also saw him on, in single coverage. He was singled when he caught the touchdown pass. We played earlier in the show, the 26-yarder beat Marlon Humphrey, who by and large did a good job on him. You're not going to control Bell all, uh, Bell, A.B. all game long. And the other thing is, is that they've developed other receivers. I mean, Juju gets a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. They've utilized finally the tight ends. Vance McDonald, when he hangs on, can be a pretty valuable guy. What's the missing element there? There are two. A third weapon among wide receivers. Well, maybe that guy's Ryan Switzer. I think he's a good addition, but so far, just a little dink, a little dunk. I remember Eli Rogers being a very, very significant Factor in the pass offense, and I'm not just talking about three-yard catches. And the other missing element, 
the run game. First of all, you don't see them use much play action anyway because they're always operating. Not out of the spread. You can still do play action there, but you know they've used a lot of four wides, no running back. But there's very little threat of the run. And we've talked about that, several different reasons for it. But still, that does not explain that kind of precipitous drop in the connection, which has turned into a non-connection between Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. If, big if, they're to turn this around, Hall of Fame quarterback, best receiver in the game, perhaps, you got to do better than what they've done. 